Sing it out. This is our destiny. The battle's already won. Make it loud. We're giving everything. By the cross, we have overcome. Hello, and welcome back to the Home Bible Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and studying with us. We are currently studying in the letter to the Hebrews, and we are in chapter 11. Now, the last lesson, we saw some parallels to our uh, Christian life as uh, typified through the the writer and the, the people that he highlighted. And we're going to kind of continue along in that study. This is the chapter of faith. We're getting a very in-depth study of faith and what it is and what faith should be in our lives. And it's really a real blessing to, to study it and to get a better understanding. I mean, we live this life and we um, do these things every day. But to be able to see the truth that we experience in our lives spelled out in scripture as, you know, this is what it should be uh, is a real encouragement. And it also strengthens our walk. So um, really excited about this study. Last time we studied um, uh, Hebrews 11 verses 11 and 12. And now we're moving into verse 13. So um, let's do just a little review. Um, we saw uh, last time in those verses about Abraham and Sarah. Those were the examples that we were given in particular. Uh, we saw repeated these victories of faith, you know, uh, starting from uh, the first part of Hebrews 11. We saw Abel. We saw Noah. We saw Enoch. Uh, Abraham and Sarah. So all of these people lived lives that were victorious, lives of faith. And a lot of times we talk about, or you hear people talking about living a victorious life. It's not, has nothing to do with wealth or finance. It has everything to do with your relationship to the Lord Jesus. And that's where the victory is. It's not in material things, but in our spiritual walk, in our spiritual growth. And that should be our focus. That's where the victory lies. So we saw in each one of these people different situations, but the same faith. I think that was the strong message that we got from last time is that, yes, we all have different circumstances, but we have one walk, one faith, one God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the encouragement of these accounts uh, and the lives of these people kind of meet us where we live day to day. It was a very grounded type uh, of experience to show us, you know, these people just did those things that they did in belief and in faith, and it led to a testimony. Uh, each one of these examples show us this common life experience, uh, this common life experience with God, and that is grounded in belief. That's the that's what that's the key to faith is believing God. And we've seen that in Hebrews before, and now we see it exemplified in these people. Now in verse 13, uh, the verse we're going to be studying today, we're going to further accomplish this uh, kind of 
exemplary lifestyle that's grounded in belief. We're going to see more of that. The writer's going to remind us of some very important facts that I think we need to keep before us at all time as we walk in faith. Because we're not just walking in faith blindly. Our faith is based on a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's based on his character, his word, uh, his power, all the things that he displayed in his life when he was here on earth. Uh, we base our faith in those things, in him. So we need to understand that this is not just a blind belief that we walk and, yeah, we believe whatever comes down the pike, but our belief is based on the Lord Jesus. In verse 12, we saw that from the vantage point of history, it looked back, several thousands of years uh, have passed since Abraham. So we're able to see that Abraham trusted the promise of God, and uh, we're able to see from our perspective that uh, he and Isaac uh, and all those descendants that came from him are evidence that Abraham rightly trusted God. We were able to see that, and that's the comfort that we have from our vantage point. Uh, this is an obvious truth of history, and it should encourage us. Like We should be encouraged by that. Um, but then we see verse 13, you know, we get this great encouragement and then we see verse 13. I'm going to read the verse it says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of and embraced and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So we go from, Hey, this is the evidence uh, the proof that God accomplished all these things uh, that he promised to Abraham and the evidence of yet things that are yet future. And we see that. And then we read this. Um, here we see something I think that's very significant that really speaks beyond the intent of the human author. Um, and it's evidence of God the Holy Spirit speaking through this writer, right? We have to slow down and ask the Lord to make us to see these things because it's easy to just get excited and just rush right through. But I think it's, this is a good opportunity to kind of show that principle. So after the great encouragement in verses 11 and 12 of the faithfulness of God, even beyond that, this whole chapter so far, all of these great encouragements from these people's lives uh, that show the faithfulness of God, we get something that no man would write and that I think points to the fact that this is God speaking and, you know, telling us these these truths. Because if a man was writing this, he would just continue to wax eloquent and build on this this excitement and this, you know, hey, these great accomplishments and just keep going. But God doesn't work that way. God tells us the truth. And he's not looking for to make an experience or to gaslight us. He wants us to walk based on the truth and have our eyes fully open and be, you know, as gentle as lambs, but, you know, as wise as the the rascals that are out there. So we have to know the truth so that we can uh, 
live a life that's based in truth. And so he says these words uh, in verse 13, these all died. Now that kind of takes us down. We're way up and that takes us back down. It's like, yeah, wow, these all died. You know, it's a sobering reminder to each of us of a few things that I would like for us to look at together. First of all, the reality of death. If you carefully examine the religions of the world, and I describe religion as any attempt by man to get to God. That's pretty close to, I think, what the Webster Dictionary is. Um, And religion itself is diametrically opposed to Christianity, right? So I don't have a religion. I have Christianity. And the definition of Christianity is God successfully bringing man to himself. So those two are in direct opposition. But if you look at religion, no matter how sincere it is or sincere the people are behind it, it really is just a psychological exercise in futility. All religions have this empty place that they don't really recognize or deal with. And that's death. And it's because they don't know what happens after death. Not only that, most if not all of the founders are subsequent to death. They have died, right? So that's kind of the way religion works. Most of them deal with how to live, right? How to live a certain way. Uh, But man doesn't know how to, nor does he or she want to deal with the death aspect. I, I think I can be safe in saying that when you're having your water cooler conversations at work or with your friends, that death doesn't come up very often. Even when someone dies, people don't want to talk about death. They want to talk about other things and try to you know, put a positive spin on it. And it's just a natural thing to do because with death, there's associated all of these negative things, right? But here we see that's what the writer starts with. He says, these all died. So the word of God does not turn away from these subjects because God has a full understanding of these things and he wants us to have a full understanding. So we need to take time to really understand uh, what's being said here. And in faith, we have to approach scripture, right? So the irony of this is that death is where you find the most answers in commonality. Because just like these all die, we're going to die. You know, unless the Lord does something supernatural in the sense of uh, the rapture, which is the next prophesied event, we're going to die. We're going to face death. That's just a common thing to man. So um, it's something that we need to deal with. And the word of God does not shy away from these things. Now, I don't want to sound morbid. So I'm going to deal with this subject from a perspective of God, right? And what he's revealed in his word. Because if I just talk about it from a man's perspective, it's probably going to sound pretty dark. But God does not approach things that way. He is light. 
The Lord Jesus is light and he shines light into the darkness and takes away fear. And that's what his word does. And that's why we need to be in his word. We need to know his word and we need to trust his word. That is our light. That is the lamppost, the light uh, lamp at our feet that as we walk in this darkness, it illuminates all things around us. And so that we don't have to be afraid. Um, our Savior has faced and conquered death. That's something unique about the Christian faith is that death has been conquered. You know, we we worship a living God. Jesus was resurrected and witnessed to this people witnessed this resurrection, the evidence of it, you know, a countless number of people witnessed this. So um He's alive. You know, when he was taken up into heaven, the angel said that, hey, why are y'all looking up in the sky? You know, just like you saw him leave, he'll return. So he's alive. He's been exalted by the father through the heavens. And he is seated on his throne. And he's doing work on our behalf. He is very intimately involved in your life and in my life. And for us to deny ourselves the blessing of holding on to that and keeping that before us in our mind, uh, we're just injuring ourselves. It's, it's something that we have. That's a power that we've been given is access to him. And we need to rest on that. And the, the way you access him is through this life of faith. So we know that the Lord Jesus is alive and he's a conquered death and all of the negative things associated with it. So we can rejoice. That's why Paul says, you know, rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. This is what we have to rejoice about, you know, is our relationship with the Lord Jesus. So Jesus nor his word leaves us in the dark regarding this important subject of death. He does give us uh, instruction. And it says here, these all died. So it's death that prompted God to warn Adam in the garden. We go all the way back, you know, God knowing that the great consequence of sin is death. And he warned Adam uh, of this, knowing that, you know, that's a very dark thing, a very bad thing that would, would happen. So God is always been very forthcoming about death, what it is, the consequence, and uh, everything associated with it. So death, we see, is a natural end to sin. We can, we can draw that conclusion that if there was no sin, there would be no death, right? Prior to sin, Adam and Eve lived in the garden. They, there was no threat to them whatsoever until sin came in and when sin was manifested death was uh came with it so they they go together so the the truth of this has been played out over and over for all times like i said we all know someone who has died uh <clears throat> this is something most of us has have experienced uh in some way or another and like i said even though it's not talked about it's a reality and it's something we have to deal with 
and God has placed it before us from the very beginning. Uh, mankind has a sin nature. We are born with it, right? We have uh, the nature of our father, and that's Adam, right? Adam was had the nature, he was of God, and then till sin came, and now we are uh, descendants of Adam. So we have the same nature as Adam. That's why we needed the second Adam, the Lord Jesus, to come and to do something about that. So we still have to deal with this sin nature. In fact, the fact that everyone is born in sin is laid out plainly in scripture. Psalm 51.5, behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. So this is a problem from conception. It's not like, you know, there's a certain point that we can get to and then, you know, sin rears its ugly head at a certain age. We are born in sin. We're conceived with a sin nature. Now, the only uh, example of this not happening was the Lord Jesus because he was born of a virgin. That's why it's so important to understand why he had to be born of a virgin, that God had to uh, overshadow uh, Mary and uh, place that holy thing in her because uh, Jesus was to be a savior, to live a life that was righteous and pure and good and do all that the father had given him to do. And he did everything the father told him to do. He was obedient and he never sinned. He, now he became the perfect sacrifice, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the people. And so in dying on the cross, being resurrected to life, the resurrection is the proof that the father accepted the sacrifice. And now we have um, salvation in Christ, in him. Now that he has placed us in Christ, we have this salvation. So no longer does the father see me, the sinner, but he sees me, the one that's in his son, whom in him, him he's well pleased. So that's, that's where salvation comes from. That's how that we're saved. And now that in this life, we're living out, we're working outwardly that salvation that God has blessed us with. And he's left us here to be a testimony to this fact. That's why we're not saved and immediately taken to heaven, because in this life, we have a witness and a testimony. And the key to that witness and testimony is faith, the very subject of this chapter. So we're born in sin. This is a fact. This is why people die. But only God points this out to man. This God has always been very upfront about this. Collectively, man says that, you know, we have a philosophy that we're getting better and better all the time. In spite of the fact and the evidence around us that the world is in shambles, it's constantly getting worse. It's not getting better. But, you know, man likes to point to things, to material things and say, look, my life is better because of these material things. But our spiritual state is getting worse and worse. So I don't care how many creature comforts you have around you. If you don't address your spiritual need, then it's just futility. 
Like I said, it's just futile. I mean, it's a temporary fix. And I don't want a temporary fix. I want the permanent fix of eternity, of a relationship with the Lord Jesus, of his his ministry to me personally. Uh, I'd rather have that than anything this world can offer. And the evidence of that is the way I live my life. So we have to understand that sin is a problem, that the world does not want to address sin. It wants to try to uh, medicate, you might say, sin. Uh, But the Lord Jesus deals with it directly and pointedly. So death is a reality that must be dealt with. And Jesus has done just that. He has dealt with it because of the perfect life that he lived uh, in his humanity. We now have salvation and we can say with boldness, you know, the verse in first Corinthians 15, 55. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? I can say that with boldness that I don't fear death. You know, that has not always been the case, but I have no fear of death. Uh, Am I looking to die right away? No. I mean, it's part of my nature. Self-preservation is the first law of nature. Like everybody tries to stay alive, but it's not because of fear. It's not because I'm afraid to die. I mean, I know what awaits me. I know that the Lord Jesus is awaiting me. I know that I'll be with him. And that brings me so much joy. And the truth of that. And the truth of knowing that I'll never be separated from him by anything or anyone. is very comforting. So I'm not afraid to die. Um, I know that uh, it's just um, like going through a doorway into another existence. And that's a comfort in that. So it says here in the verse, these all died. So this this is a very important concept for us to understand. And I'm not going to exhaust this subject by any means, but I definitely want to try to spend a little time talking about it because it's important for us to understand the role of death in life. It's very important. So death is a reality and all sickness is really a consequence of sin in the world. The reason we have cancer, the reason we have all of these different illnesses, it's sin. It's a result of sin. Sin leads to bad things. Sin in of itself is bad. God does not direct us to do things for without a reason. He tells us to uh, abstain from sin because sin results into bad things. And uh, we know this. I mean, we can see it throughout history. If you look back, you know, Adam and all those guys, they lived to be, you know, hundreds of years old. But now if we live to be 80, we're doing good. And that's because the progress of sin throughout history has caused for more things to uh, cause death. You know, it's just that simple. And... um, We have, in the age we live in now, I don't think we have any more sin than we've had in the past, but I do believe we can accomplish sin faster 
and easier and more of it. Because we have technology, we have things that allow us to um, interact with one another uh, over long distances. Um, there's a lot of the barriers of being tethered uh, to a place are augmented by technology. And so that just allows for sin to have a vehicle to move uh, from place to place a little faster. So it's the same amount of sin. It's just the way that it's uh, executed and the access uh, has changed a little bit. So I believe that we see the effects of that in all the diseases, the shorter life, the uh, hostility. Just look at the hostility, the wrath of man and and the things that are being done um, in this world. You just talk to a police officer. They can tell you. They see, unfortunately, a lot of sin and it can harden the, the heart and the soul and it's just uh, sad. But that's why we have um, the Lord Jesus and the ministry of the word so that we would not be subject to this um, consequence. So the only thing keeping sin from devouring all mankind is the grace of God in Jesus. So I'm, I'm like, there's a lot of verses that support what I'm telling you, but I'm giving you the cliff notes. Basically, there's something called the common grace of God, right? And it works uh, throughout the world. There's a, the, and the way that it's uh, described in scripture is that, you know, the sun rises on the evil and the just. We all benefit from the sunrise. We benefit from the flowers and the, the oxygen in the air. You know, that's the common grace that God has given all mankind. But there is a specific grace, a saving grace, a grace of connection that connects a man to God. <clears throat> that is a very special grace and salvation that only is given to those whom God has called for that purpose. So um, we saw that in Enoch. You know, there's a lot of people living during Enoch's time, but Enoch was the only one that was translated, right? Because he had a access to a special grace. Well, those of us who are in Christ, we have that, right? And there's a ministry that radiates from us to all those around us because of this grace. There's an influence. This grace influences the world around us. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And all of this comes from the Lord Jesus. And the ministry of God, the Holy Spirit in believers is this radiating force. God has a presence that can be felt, that can be seen, that can be known right? And the presence of God, the Holy Spirit in believers radiates beyond them, radiates beyond us. And even if we're not aware of it, this happens. Believe me, those who are in darkness, they feel and notice that light and they react to it. And you maybe have seen that reaction. Sometimes it's very positive and it draws people to you. And you get an opportunity to witness and testimony to them, testify to them as to what that is. Like, well, why is it that you're this way? Well, you know, 
and they don't understand it completely, but they're drawn to it. And then there's those who are very put off by it, right? And they're very negative towards you for no reason whatsoever. You know, you don't, you don't understand, like, why is this person hating me? Well, it's because um, God the Holy Spirit is ministering to them. And the God the Holy Spirit ministers to the world. We, as believers, have a witness and testimony to the people around us. Either we witness life to them or we witness to their judgment and their the death that's uh, coming. So that is our role. We are, uh, it says in the Bible, we're just clay pots. And then the treasure is inside of us. And that treasure is God, the Holy Spirit. So we have a corporate influence on all the people around us. As we walk in faith, just like these people listed in um, Hebrews 11, as we walk in faith, we minister to those around us. I mean, it's obvious. If you look at Abraham's life, you can see he had several opportunities and he ministered to the people around him. Um it's the truth. And the the degree or the power of that witness depends on our walk. We have a responsibility. We have a place. We have actions that we are given to where we can participate in this ministry of God, the Holy Spirit to others. Right. We have a responsibility. There's an action that's of God and there's an action that's of us. And God gives us this opportunity to grow in grace. That's how we grow. So we don't have to say anything about the Lord Jesus. We don't in our life. Um, we don't have to say a word about him or our faith. Although I hope, I hope that if the Lord leads you and gives you an opportunity to witness, you will. Because, you know, he wants us to do that. But my point is, is that we don't have to the power of God and his uh, spirit is going to minister to others and opens up opportunities for us to witness. And we need to, uh, if he's leading us to do so, we need to witness. It's very important for us and for those whom we come in contact with. So here in verse 13, we see how the actions of faith tell a story on our behalf. Okay, that's what this verse is going to talk about. It starts off that these all died, but we're going to see in this verse that faith overcomes even death. The ministry of faith goes beyond death. And James said that in James 2.18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I'll show you, I'll show thee my faith by my works. So James is pointing this principle out. He's saying, now look, you say you have faith. Well, faith should be evidenced by your life. There should be actions that speak to your faith, not just in word, but also in deed. So it's important that we understand that we lean into the fact that our life, the way we live it, has a witness and a testimony of our faith. And we need to lean into that. And that everything else, any other witness, comes from that point first. I can't go and say, well, I believe this and I believe that, if there's no actions to support it. 
So it's very important that we are conscious of our walk, the witness of our walk. That's that's what's being said here in uh, Hebrews 11. These people had a witness and a testimony in their lives. Faith has a witness. Uh, That's what these accounts in chapter 11 speak of. Faith will witness to others uh, and belief has a testimony. Remember last time in the last lesson I said faith and belief go hand in hand. They're together. So faith has a witness and your belief has a testimony. And it may sound like I'm saying the same thing, but it's true. Faith and belief are very closely linked together. Faith is what gives us the power. Belief is the evidence of that power. That's the way I would describe it. So death, we see, works on behalf of believers in a way, right? We live uh, as lights to shine forth the truth, the true witness of the Lord Jesus amongst a world that's dead, right? This whole world is feeling the effects of the death that came through sin. And we have been given this wonderful witness and testimony of the Lord Jesus and the God and the Holy Spirit to shine light in a world that's dead, to show forth the truth of the grace of God. So we don't really partake in the acts of death, right? I describe those acts of death, drugs, alcohol, partying, which in the Bible is called reveling, That's what people do who don't have hope. They don't have anything else. You know, people like like these things, unsaved people partake in these things regularly because they're the practices of this world. The common thought is you only get one life, so live it up, right? Or another one you hear a lot of times, uh, get all you can out of this life, because it's all we have and then we die. These are philosophies that go back as far back as we can trace them, right? That's just the philosophy that people go by. And it's their reason, their motivation for doing the things that they do. So faith uh, or a life of faith in contrast to that, to the philosophies of this world, is the witness and the testimony that we have. Um, And the only ones who have those, that testimony are those who trust the Lord Jesus for all that he has promised. The promises of God are what we base our faith upon. And that's why we don't have to partake in the things of this world. And that's why we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't. I know it happens. I know there's, uh, believers out there that partake in some of these things, but um, they they can't continue. You cannot live a life of faith and continue in those things. It's not possible. At some point, you will turn from that sin and turn to God. That's that's the promise of His Word. So it's important for us never to fall into those those traps because that's what they are. They take away from the power and the joy that we have in the Lord Jesus. And it's important for us to, uh, to live a life that's pleasing to him 
And we learned earlier that there's no pleasing God without faith. It's very important. Uh, we'd be the same as these um, unsaved people, right? We would be just like them if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus and the grace that he extends to us and his word. So that's something we can rejoice in in knowing that our faith has delivered us. Not only does it give us a life of joy and peace, but it's also delivered us from the darkness of this world. So we have faith. We have this life of faith. And in this life of faith, there's attached uh, rewards. You know, it says we have an eternal weight of glory awaiting us. Well, that's because of what the Lord has accomplished. And so what, what is that eternal weight of glory? I don't know. I can't give you specifics. I only have the knowledge that the Lord has revealed in his word, but the little that he has told us about it, it's amazing. It's mind blowing. And it's definitely far beyond anything we can really comprehend, but we know enough in that we know him and that we're going to be with him. And to me, you know, yes, it's exciting to think about new Jerusalem and all the things that await us in heaven. It's very exciting. But the most tangible thing that excites me is an uninterrupted fellowship with Jesus. I mean, I know what that fellowship is like. And I know him. And to know that there's going to come a day when that fellowship will be uninterrupted. Yeah, that's enough for me right there. To me, that is heaven. And everything else associated with heaven, nothing can compare to that. So that's pure joy, pure joy, pure love, unfettered, you know, that's what I look forward to. And that's what we all have. We have that now, you know, and that's the encouragement of walking in faith that we get to enjoy that relationship. So it's important for us to understand the benefits of faith. So let's look at some of the examples of what faith does for us as believers. I think that's important. So we're encouraged to walk by faith. There's uh, blessings associated with faith. But what makes us as believers different, right, is that not only do we, these all died, but those two words after that, that they died in faith. So dying in faith separates us from the death that happens to the unsaved. Well, you ask me, well, how can you prove that? You know, what's the proof in that? Well, I'm going to share some proof with you because we've seen the proof already. We just didn't notice that that's what was happening. And with Abel, we saw in verse four, he died in faith, right? We know that he's one of the ones listed who died in faith. Well, how did it, what was the advantage of him dying in faith? What made his death any different from any other death? Well, his death was not the end of him. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, in Genesis 14, 
the Lord said, the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. So here we see that our very blood, the blood in us, the life that we have on earth connects us to God. We have a very powerful connection. Even after he was dead, his blood still cried out to God because there's a connection there. He never lost the connection to God. That's how we're different. And also it says here in Hebrews, and God testifying of his gifts, his gifts meaning, you know, his uh, sacrifices that he gave in obedience, the acts of righteousness that he did in obedience of faith. He says, and by it, he being dead yet speaketh. So here we see that the acts of faith that we do now follow us into eternity. How about that? That even after we die, our testimony does it. That we leave a testimony here on earth that goes beyond our death. And only believers have this. So we have this testimony that lives beyond death. That's something else that we have. Well, let's look at some other people. In Enoch, we see that we have access to God, right? Uh, unlimited access because this access caused him to be translated, right, into the presence of God. So at no point was he ever disconnected from God because of faith, because his walk of faith. So he was always before God and God was always before him. So that takes away, that's another this way that death has been disarmed because death is described as being separated from God, eternally separated from God. But we, as believers, we've moved beyond that because of our faith. And in Noah, we have the revelation of truth, right? God revealed the truth uh, through his word to Noah and that revelation of the word of God became the protection of faith, right? God revealed that the flood was coming and the, the belief of Noah protected him. So there's a protection of faith, right? By in, 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 in a type, right? You can say in the place of, in the place of Christ by being us being placed in Christ. Well, that's the ark, right? So we have this deliverance from death through being placed in Christ. And we see that in Noah. That's, that's all typified in Noah. So that's something that we have in faith. We have this protection that comes from faith. Very important. And in Abraham, we have what I call the promise of God and the deliverance from the limitations of death, right? And in that, we have... Um, a ministry that continues beyond our life. Because in Abraham, remember the promise was made and he trusted the promise. And we see that there was a limitation placed upon him that he was just one man. But God made all these promises. Like, how can you do this? You know, I'm, I'm you know, old man and I don't have any children. But God said through faith, I can give you blessings beyond your understanding, beyond your current situation, right? Just trust me. 
And that's a, that's another aspect of the faith that we have, that it delivers us or carries us beyond our current situation, right? We don't have to be limited by what's going on around us because God is not limited by what's going on around us. And we can walk in a way that evidence that. And in Sarah, we see the deliverance of belief from the physical limitations, right? She had physical limitations as to what could happen, you know, what was possible in her life. Well, God delivered her from this through faith, right? From these physical limitations of this life that were caused by death. Death, that's what it does. Remember, sin and death limits us. But God is able through faith to bring us beyond those limitations. So I think the message here is obvious that we all die, right? But to die in faith makes an eternal difference. Everyone dies, but those who die in faith are translated beyond the limitations of death. They overcome death. Death has no power over them. And it's all because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The testimony that's found in a life of faith has an eternal reward. God is intimately aware of your walk of faith. That's something we need to be conscious of. He's very aware of your walk of faith. He knows what you're facing. And he has unlimited grace for each of us. Okay. Uh, we should trust the Lord Jesus and trust that he's near to us. We need to know that. He is always near to us. And God the Holy Spirit is within us and connects and binds us to, to the grace of God. And the access we have uh, is something that we should hold on to. And by walking in faith, we, we just uh, exemplify that to others. And it also uh, strengthens that bond of faith and strengthens us as we walk with him uh, and we get closer and closer to him. We're like Enoch, right? Eventually we end up where he is. That is the walk, the life of faith that we should be living. We want to be more and more like the Lord Jesus. We want to draw closer and closer to him. And the only way to do that is through faith. So I guess the question is, how close are you to him, right? If you're listening to his word, I know that you're close to him because that's how we draw near to him, through his word, through uh, prayer, through supplication, um, through walking in faith. You know, I know that you're close to him if, because you're listening to his word. You're prioritizing your relationship with the Lord Jesus in your life. I guess the next question is, are we like Abel, right? In our acts of worship, do we, are we doing the things that need to be done that prioritize God, that show him our, uh, that we want to worship him, that we enjoy worshiping him? Are we like, are we walking in fellowship like Enoch, where he turned from sin unto God? Enoch drew closer and closer to God and he didn't allow sin to interrupt his relationship with God. And it grew and grew to the point to where God said, you're going to come to be where I am. Um, 
are we heeding the instruction of the word and making his word a priority in our lives? It's very important. Like Noah, right? And in, in Noah doing that, he was obedient to the word. He built the ark. And it led to the salvation of him and those uh, in his family. So it's important for us to prioritize the word. And it gives us a ministry to, to those around us. It opens up that opportunity. And God will bless that ministry. As long as you're you know, waiting for him and allowing him to lead and guide you in it, he'll bless you in it. And he'll bless others. Uh, are we living like people who are strangers to this world? testifying that we seek better things in Christ. That's, I think that's the crust of this, um, this lesson is that we do have a ministry and our ministry comes from the way we live our lives. And I'm not going to tell you what's right or what's wrong and what you shouldn't do or shouldn't. That's legalism. I don't do that. But the Lord Jesus can show you. He can show you what he wants you to do and what he wants in your life. And I think that's what's important for all of us to do is to seek that out. Um, seek the Lord and seek his wisdom and guidance to show us how he wants us to live and who he wants us to testify to and how he wants us to minister. He will show us. He's there for us to show us these things. And part of that, identifying that is to know his word. Because he's going to speak to you through his word. That's how he communicates to us. Very important. Are we looking to Jesus for deliverance from our oppressors and the barrenness of the shame that's been placed upon us? Very important to see uh, with Sarah that, you know, that was uh, a source of shame not to, to be barren and not to be able to bear a child. And sometimes in our lives, there's going to be people who present us in an unfavorable light. And for whatever reason. And we have to understand that it's not on us to defend ourselves or our reputation, but just trust the Lord. Let him do it. He can deliver you in a way that you could never deliver yourself. So trust him that he knows. Make sure that you're doing all that he wants you to do. And don't worry about what other people say about you. Because he has a way to exalt you before your enemies. And he can do that. And he will do that. All you have to do is trust him. Commit your way to him. So it's important for us to live this life of faith and to understand the role of death that yes, death is an issue, it's a problem, but God has addressed that problem and given us all these wonderful blessings that come through faith. This world is not a friend of grace, but we can be comforted that Jesus has overcome this world. Uh, it's true that all of these died, but they died in faith. It's very different from dying apart from faith. And if you're if you don't know the Lord Jesus, if you are listening to this lesson, uh, this study, and you don't know Jesus this way, then I pray that you would know Jesus that way, that you would that he would reveal himself to you through his word, that he would draw you to himself. Uh, 
that you would know him in the life that he lived, that you would understand why he died, why he had to die, that it was because of the sin of those whom he died on behalf of, and that he was resurrected, and that that resurrection is a testimony that the Father accepted his sacrifice on behalf of those people, and that all those who are in Christ now have this access to this faith, this walk of faith, and they have eternal life, and that death no longer has a victory over us, those of us who are saved, that we walk through the doorway of death into eternity. That's, that's what we have. That's the difference of dying in faith. The only way to die in faith is to live in faith. Very important. We must trust the Holy One to give us the guidance we need and the comfort that we need. He has it. The Lord Jesus has all of that. One of my favorite verses is Zechariah 1.13. It says, And the Lord answered the angel that talked with me with good words and comfortable words. That's what we have in the Lord Jesus. Have you been comforted by this lesson? Have you found good in this study? Well, praise the Lord Jesus for that. That's evidence that he had this message for you, just like he has it for me. And I pray that you would glorify him and praise him for those things and that you would be walking in faith. Uh, the Lord's word is is our good and our comfort. That's where we get our goodness and our comfort from, from his word. So let's rest in it. Let's walk in faith. Encourage one another to do that. That's what we should be doing. Turn from sin and do good. That's the basic message. Uh, by doing this, our lives will glorify him and our testimony will continue far beyond our death. Uh, let's close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this faith and this encouragement, this instruction that we need to walk by faith. There's many things that we're going to come in contact with and uh, things that await us. Um, but we don't have to fear any of them. We can trust you and know that all these things work towards our good. And all you ask us to do is to trust you in your word. I pray, Father, you give us grace to do that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.